Sound of Football with your host, Colin Summer, brought to you by WHIP. Hey, what is going on, guys? It is Down to Football back with another episode. I hope everyone is doing well today. It is a fine Tuesday when we record our usual episodes. And we have just completed week six of NFL football of a 17-week season for the first time. And a lot of crazy things are happening that I would like to talk about. Uh, I will get to that. Obviously, we have our recap. I have two segments that I'm bringing you this week that are different than usual. And then, of course, the locked in and upset pick. But I will not spoil anything. So, we will just get right into it. So, with our first Matchup that I thought was interesting was the Vikings-Panthers game. An overtime game. Vikings end up winning this one 34-28 against the Panthers. Panthers, after a hot start, have definitely cooled off. Aren't looking like the team they did in the first three games. But as for this game, on the Vikings side of things, Kirk Cousins went 33-48 of with 373 yards and three touchdowns, no turnovers. A very, very solid game. Actually, he may have fumbled. I'm not entirely sure. I think he did fumble once, but still a very, very solid game from Kirk. Dalvin Cook finally looking healthy. It had been a minute for him. He had 29 carries for 140 yards and a touchdown. A very solid game from him. Didn't get too involved with the pass game. I only believe he had two catches for three yards. Very unlike him. He usually has a couple of catches for a decent amount of yards, but... He got it done on the ground, so it doesn't matter. Adam Thielen had a great game, 11 catches for 126 yards and a touchdown. Justin Jefferson really hasn't had his amazing game of the year where he just blows up quite yet, but he's been consistently solid. He had 88 catches for 80 yards in this game. Nothing that you can really complain about. K.J. Osborne, the wide receiver three, I guess, had six catches for 78 yards and eight touchdowns. A solid day from him as well. The defense had four sacks, one interception, two fumble recoveries. Very solid day all over for the Minnesota defense. On the other side of things, Sam Darnold not looking too great after his great start. He went 17 of 41 in this game. That is an awful completion percentage, well below 50%. That is brutal. Only threw for 207 yards. One touchdown, one interception. He did have four carries for 48 yards, so got some good yardage on the ground. The story of this game was the drops. DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, pretty much everyone on the Panthers offense just couldn't get the ball. They couldn't catch it. Chuba Hubbard had 16 carries for 61 yards and a touchdown. Decent day from him. Not much room to run, but did get the score. DJ Moore had five catches for 73 yards and led the team. He also fumbled at one point in the game. He had quite a few drops, unlike him. Hopefully he bounces back next week. Robbie Anderson, another guy plagued with catches for this game. Hasn't really seen a lot of volume this year. I mean, he had 1,000 yards last year. He looked great with the Panthers. He had a breakout season. And now with Sam Darnold, he's just not getting targeted that much. He had three catches for 11 yards. Not Nothing crazy, but did have a touchdown at the end of the game. And then the defense had one fumble recovery, no sacks, no picks. Defense could have got it done either. Pretty pretty close game, but mostly dominated by the Vikings. But the Vikings take the win, 34-28. Next game, probably my favorite game of the week was the Cowboys-Patriots game. It was crazy all over. Another overtime game, I believe. Dak Prescott 
looked amazing. Did strain his calf towards the end of the game, was seen in a boot, but is said to be fine. He went off in this game, 36 completions, 251 attempts, 445 yards. That is quite a lot for him. He has been dominating this year. Three touchdowns, did have one pick, but still a very, very great day from him. Ezekiel Elliott, not much room on the ground, 17 carries for 69 yards, nothing crazy. Just over four yards per carry. But he did add seven catches for 50 yards. So he did have over 100 yards in scrimmage yards. CeeDee Lamb was the main target, main focus for the Cowboys in this game. Nine catches for 149 yards. Added two scores as well. Very quality day from him. He has been great all season. The defense had two sacks. Uh, also a pick. Trayvon Diggs pick six and one fumble recovery. I've, I have very mixed emotions about Trayvon Diggs because, the, don't get me wrong, the interceptions are, are, are incredible. He's at an amazing pace. He is doing very well against solid, very, very, very solid wide receivers. But he does allow a lot of yards, and he does get burnt sometimes. So, you know, as great as the picks are, he's getting burnt equally as much. So, I don't know. It's something to just really narrow in on for the rest of the season because I don't I don't want to overlook his season, but I don't want to, you know, over. I don't want to underrate his season either. Like obviously the picks are great, but it does get burnt here and there. Mac Jones continuing a very solid rookie campaign. In a high-scoring game, he only had 21 attempts, but mainly due to the fact that the Patriots got their run game going. But Mac Jones went 15, 15 for 21, 229 yards, two touchdowns, one INT. Damian Harris, 18 carries, 101 yards, one touchdown. Very, very solid day from him. The other running back, Ramondre Stevenson, had five carries for 23 yards and a touchdown. Now, this is what I meant by Trayvon Diggs getting burnt. He had the pick six, and then the very next play for, maybe not the very next play, but the next passing play right after that was a Kendrick Bourne 75-yard touchdown where Trayvon Diggs pretty much got burnt. It did look like the how they were playing. I believe it was cover two, and the safety was supposed to help Diggs, but regardless, he still did get burnt, and you can't always rely on the safety to do his job. Uh, yeah, it might be on the safety, but I think it's also on Diggs. Hunter Henry had two catches for uh, 25 yards and a touchdown. The defense had one pick, one fumble recovery, but I don't believe they had any sacks today. Well, not today, on Sunday. It was a very solid game. I like what I saw about saw with Mac Jones. I think he's looking good so far. Do think he's playing a bit conservative and would like to see him unleash a few. I know the Kendrick Bourne touchdown was a very risky throw, and I'd like that he went for it and got it. Uh, definitely, definitely good going down the line. I would like to see him, you know, go out of his comfort zone a little bit more. But obviously, it depends on how the Patriots are are handling his situation in his rookie campaign. But <clears throat> that is it for the Patriots Cowboys game. Cowboys take the win in overtime, thirty-five to twenty-nine. And then the last game was the Monday night game. Titans actually take this game 34-31 against the Bills. It was a great game all over. As for the Tennessee Titans, Ryan Tannehill has looked pretty bad this year, unbelievably, with A.J. Brown and Julio Jones both on the same field, on the same team wearing the same uniforms. Ryan Tannehill went 18 of 29 for 216 yards and one interception. I will say this is a difficult matchup. The Bills are a very tough team to pass against. But he did have th- two carries for three yards and a touchdown, so he at least had the rushing score. No passing scores, though. Uh, let me continue. Derrick Henry, I mean, what is there left to say about him? He's the best running back in the league. He's a cheat code. doesn't matter what his matchup is. He's matchup proof. 
20 carries for 143 yards, three touchdowns. He had the 76-yard carry, you know, for a touchdown, but he still had was pure pure dominance otherwise he still had over 70 yards and two touchdowns or just under 70 yards and two touchdowns without that one carry i mean it's pretty self-explanatory but aj brown led the team with seven catches for 91 yards not much else in the air obviously Tannehill had a lackluster game defense had three sacks one interception josh allen had a great game fortunately couldn't get the win 35 of 47 for 353 yards three touchdowns one interception The team had a total of 23 carries, only got 82 yards, could have been worse, could have been better, kind of mediocre. Manuel Sanders led the team in yardage. He had five catches for 91 yards. Stephon Diggs right behind him with nine catches for 89 yards and a touchdown. And then Cole Beasley just behind him with seven catches for 88 yards and one touchdown. The defense had one pick, no sacks, no fumble recoveries. So the thing about this game was what happened in the end. It was fourth and one. The, the Bills were hoping that they would be able to convert and then score a touchdown and get the win. And I think, you know, they easily could have gone for the the field goal and tied the game, go to overtime. But I personally like the call because, you know, Josh Allen, big guy, you know, he'll get you the yardage. And unfortunately, they just got shut down going for that for that uh, sneak. And it just, it just didn't happen. I like the play call. It just, just wasn't there. But the in the end, the Titans take the win, 34-31. Our outstanding performers of the week consist of two players already mentioned for quarterback. Josh Allen, obviously 300-plus yards, three touchdowns. Dak Prescott, 400-plus yards, three touchdowns. And then, obviously, the man who continues his MVP candidacy, Kyler Murray with four touchdowns, tying a season high passing-wise. As for the running backs, obviously, we got... The King, Derrick Henry, 140 yards, three touchdowns. Dalvin Cook, also a quality day with 140 yards and a touchdown. And then Jonathan Taylor, who has actually been one of the NFL's most efficient running backs in the NFL this year, had 150-plus scrimmage yards and two touchdowns as well. Amazing days from all of them. Cooper Cup continues his very, very solid streak of games. He had 130 yards and two touchdowns. CeeDee Lamb had 149 yards and two touchdowns. Adam Thielen, 126 yards and a touchdown. And then lastly, can't forget out the tight ends. Mike Gesicki had a season high, 115 yards. And Noah Fant had 97 yards and a touchdown as well. Those are your outstanding performers of the week. Now, something new this week. We're going to move on. We have our non-QB MVP candidate. So basically, I came up with a bunch of people that I believe have an argument. Hypothetically, if if QBs didn't garner all the attention for winning MVP. So the first guy I got, I mean, I think it's, again, pretty self-explanatory is Derrick Henry. He's been amazing this year. So to put things in perspective, he's played six games. Team is four and two. The team is 4-2 not because of Tannehill, not because of A.J. Brown, not because of Julio Jones. The team is 4-2 because of Derrick Henry. He has three games with three touchdowns. I mean, it doesn't get much better than that. He's been phenomenal. I mean, phenomenal all year. And a lot of people were concerned after last year, like, okay, is he due for an injury? Are they going to decrease his workload? Is he able to keep up? Clearly, none of that is the case. He is amazing. There's no questioning it. He's a cheat code. He's matchup proof. It doesn't matter what he does. He'll get it done. I mean, so far he has 162 carries, which 
is well above anyone else's total amount of carries. He has 783 yards in six games. I mean, the pace, the pace he's going for is well over 2,000 yards. It's it's crazy. Uh, he has 10 touchdowns already. He's over. He's on pace for over 20 touchdowns. And he, he's even gotten a couple of catches this year. He has 16 catches for 138 yards. I mean, it's just crazy. I, I don't really know what else to say because he, he's just been efficient. He's getting all the touchdowns. He's even getting a little bit involved with the pass game. I mean, he's on pace for 40-plus catches. That might be a career high for him. There's not much left to say. I think anyone who's a non-QB MVP candidate, obviously he's number one. I also want to point out that I don't have any defensive players on this list because defensive players can be very, very tricky sometimes. And obviously offensive linemen are also not on this list because you let me know the last time an offensive lineman won MVP. No disrespect, but they just don't get enough attention. I, I think they should, at least in like rookie of the year candidacy or offensive player of the year. I mean, sometimes you have purely a dominant offensive lineman who deserve it, but don't get the recognition. The next player I have, despite being on a team that's only two and four, is Jonathan Taylor. I just want to talk about how efficient he's been this year. So he has 87 carries for 472 yards. That is an average of 5.42 yards per carry. Anywhere over four yards is the ideal amount because that is first down that that becomes a first down just by running. So if you had three yards per carry, right, you would end up being fourth and one on three carries. But if you're getting four yards per carry, you end up getting to third and two and getting a first down. So that's kind of where or why four yards per carry is the like the kind of the mark that you want to hit. But Five point four two yards per carry. I, I mean, it, he's been great all year. I wish the Colts would use him a little bit better because, I mean, he. I think he only had two rushing attempts in the first half of the game on Sunday against Houston. He was one of the best, most historically amazing running backs in college football history. And yes, I understand that not all the time that always translate to to NFL football. And I know a lot of people were questioning whether he would, you know, get hurt after his, you know, he had a he had a really 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 high workload in college, which not surprising for how good he was. I mean, again, he was one of the best college running backs in history, but he's and looking now, he was 100% a first first round talent. There's no questioning that. But I still don't understand what Frank Reich is doing. This guy should be have should at least have anywhere between 7 to 9 carries, 7 to 10 carries, but you know, before the end of the half. So two carries before the half, it's a little concerning. But then, you know, he goes out in the second half and is getting, you know, 100-plus yards on only, like, 10 carries. It's crazy. I mean, obviously a big chunk of it came from from that 83-yard run he had, but he also was getting 10, 11, 12 yards nonstop. So, I mean, I don't I don't really understand what, what their game plan is. I know they have, like, Naeem Hines, and I know they're trying to shop Marlon Mack, so they're trying to showcase him a bit, but there's no reason that Jonathan Taylor shouldn't be out there every play. I mean, we see what he's done catching the ball, too. He's da- he's dangerous no matter how he has the ball in his hands. I, I just don't understand why they don't use him more. But in, in totality, at the 87 carries, 472 yards. He also has four rushing touchdowns. And then the crazy thing is five, 15 catches for 210 yards. And another touchdown in the air. I mean, he's got about five, 682 total yards. He's got five touchdowns on a team that probably wouldn't be, that might only have one win without him. I mean, he's been fantastic. 
the first couple of games, he came out a little bit slow. But again, I think that's due to the fact that the Colts weren't using him right. And now they're finally using him right. And obviously, you're seeing what happens when you use him right. So that's why he's on my list. I think he definitely deserves to be up here. The next guy, I think is getting talked about, but not too, too much. I think he should be talked about more just because of how Alvin Kamara-esque he can be. Is Austin Eckler in six games. The Chargers are four and two. He has 73 carries for 357, 356 yards. And, you know, I was just talking about efficiency with Jonathan Taylor and the yards per carry. I mean, Eckler's averaging just under five yards per carry. So that's very, very solid, too. And obviously, we all know him as a dual threat quarterback. I don't know if I mentioned he has four rushing touchdowns. I might have already said that. I might have just skipped over it when I started talking about efficiency. But he also has 27 catches for 242 yards and three touchdowns. And that's kind of why I said, like, his Alvin Kamara-esque. Uh, I think that he can put up some very crazy numbers. I was never sold on him because of his health, and I didn't know if he could take on a full workload of a running back one or if he would, you know, because he thrived originally when when Melvin Gordon was still on the Chargers, and now that Mel- Melvin Gordon's obviously gone, Eckler is, you know, the clear-cut running back one for that team, and he's proven that. And obviously we know the story. He was an undrafted, undrafted rookie signed by the Chargers, so on and so on. So it's great to see him, you know, making a name for himself in the NFL as one of the best, you know, top top 10 running back. No questions asked on that one. And obviously, I'm sure people love him on his on their fantasy teams. But I mean, what is there left to say? I, he, you know, he's closing in on 600 total yards. He's got seven touchdowns already. I mean, he, he might end up with over 2,000 scrimmage yards and, you know, 15-plus touchdowns. So, you know, we'll keep an eye on that for the, for the end of the season. But just the fact that he's doing so much on the ground and so much in the air, it's extremely impressive to see that. So 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 that that's why I have him in here. I think, I think he's deserving of that. I think he's done a lot to garner MVP, you know, mention at least. But obviously, again, non-QB candidates never get mentioned very often. So I'm showing them love. That's why I'm doing this. They deserve some love. And then the last guy is the only receiver I think is actually worthy right now is Cooper Cup. Uh, uh, the Rams have played six games, five and one in those games. Cooper Cup and Matt Stafford are like a match made in heaven. I mean, they've played fantastic so far this year. Cooper Cup's on pace for well over 1,500 yards. He has 46 catches for... 653 yards and seven touchdowns. You know, he might, he might break that catch record. You never know. Uh, that would break my heart. I think records should be statistically separated uh, for the future seasons with 17 games. I think that you can't say it's a new record when they might have done it in an extra game. So just want to throw that out there. I know that's kind of a hot topic, but I think most people would agree. But, I mean, Cooper Cup, the 46 catches, 653 yards, seven touchdowns. He's just hit his stride. You know, we saw flashes of potential. Unfortunately, he kept getting injured. Never really had consistent quarterback play, obviously, due to Jared Goff. Never a fan of Jared Goff. But I do think that Cooper Cup has been the best receiver so far this year. I don't think there's any questioning that. He's been, he's just been consistent. Very, very consistent. So those are my non-QB MVP candidates. Let's show him some love. Derrick Henry, Jonathan Taylor. Austin Eckler Cooper Cup, they deserve it 100%. And I hope to see them thrive for the rest of the year. And I hope other players start start showing out. Maybe they can make a make an entry later in, later in the season uh, when I do this again, hopefully. So 
we will keep an eye on those guys and some other guys, and we will get back to you that. My last segment of the week is flex fits during the bye. Bye weeks in fantasy football can be a bit tricky, especially if you don't plan for it during the draft. So I decided to do some research and find some reasonable matchups that you could potentially just spot star some players in your flex if needed. So the first guy, guys, Henry Vrogs versus the Eagles. I think his big play potential is is enough to garner him a start for this week in a, in a flex position. Uh, it's likely that you might have a might have a slightly better matchup because the Eagles have been fairly good guarding the pass this year. At least Darius Slay has. But I think Henry Ruggs with his big play potential, you know, he could he can randomly just score a 48-yard touchdown, 50-yard touchdown out of nowhere due to speed. He's kind of having uh, a sophomore resurgence right now. Uh, last week he went 397 and a touchdown, or three catches, 97 yards and a touchdown. Very solid last week. I'd put him in the fringe wide receiver three boomer bust kind of area. But I do think that the ceiling... The floor might suck, but the ceiling is there, so I think that's why he's worthy of a start during all these bye weeks, especially if you're in really, really in a tricky situation. He's a very solid fit. Next guy, Jalen Waddle. Some of you guys might already be starting him regardless, but some people, depending on how wide receiver you know, deep they drafted, uh, might not. Jalen Waddle versus the Falcons, very solid matchup. You saw what happened last week with Preston Williams and Devontae Parker out. Against the Jags, Jalen Waddle had 10 carries for 70, or not 10 carries, 10 catches for 70 yards and two touchdowns. It was a very solid day from him. Falcons, obviously, not very good defense. I can see this being a high-scoring game, unbelievably. Uh, both their defenses have been awful this year, so the volume could be there for Jalen Waddle. Obviously, we'll have to monitor Devontae Parker and Preston Williams' status because if one of them comes back, that might hurt his target share just slightly, but I do think he's become, you know, with Tua, back especially I think that his his ceiling is a bit higher so I'm taking Jalen Waddle I like his four he gets a lot of catches too so I don't think his ceiling is too high but his, his floor is high enough uh, to make up for it my last receiver that I have for the flex I didn't do any tight ends for flex because uh, there weren't that many great matchups to begin with and you don't you kind of want to avoid starting a tight end in your flex if you can but uh, Michael Pittman against the 49ers the 49ers have been kind of streaky with their defense this year you know they get obliterated or they they let up a lot of points to the Lions week one but then they go out and only let up 17 to the Cardinals who are undefeated still lost that game but I think that you got to start Michael Pittman against the 49ers Carson Wentz is looking really good and the 49ers have a decent run defense so I think that there's a chance they might have to dip out of the run game a bit with Jonathan Taylor and Michael Pittman might get a lot of looks. I like Michael Pittman a lot. We also have to understand that Paris Campbell might be out next week as well. Zach Pascal got a little bit banged up, so obviously Michael Pittman is the clear-cut number one in my opinion. I think T.Y. Hillen had a solid game, but I still consider him the number two as of right now. So I do think that Michael Pittman is a good start for this week against the 49ers. And for my running backs, uh, Daryl Williams, he might already be a plug-and-play for you if you picked him up in place of Clyde. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire obviously got hurt, so Daryl Williams is the backup for the Chiefs, and he he did very solid last week. He had, I believe, over 70 scrimmage yards. He had two touchdowns as well, so a very good spot start, especially in the flex this week. Uh, Against the Titans, I mean, that could very well be a high-scoring game. I see Daryl Williams very involved in this game. see no reason not to start him. Easy flex pickup. 
Some people might. I, I'm sure he's probably majorly owned in most leagues, but if he's not, pick him up, start him in your flex, or if you have him on your bench as a stash, just as a cuff, start him. Next guy, I got James Conner versus Houston. Now, James Conner has been very touchdown dependent. I put him at a running back three because of his dependency, but why I like him in this game is because they're playing Houston, and I could see the Cardinals absolutely blowing out Houston in this game, so they could just turn, you know, like last week, when the Cardinals blew out the Browns, they kind of just went into, all right, let's melt the clock down a bit. So James Conner garnered 16 carries. He had 71 yards, no touchdowns. He did only have one catch, so the PBR value isn't there. But I'm thinking that, you know, if they're winding down the clock, I see James Conner getting a lot of carries, very involved once again. And obviously he he's that guy within the five-yard line. He will get you touchdowns if he is there. Uh, there were a couple of opportunities last week during the Browns games, but I saw a couple of uh, unfortunate penalties, you know, false starts, holding calls. It just it just wasn't there in the Reds or, you know, within the five-yard line for the for the Cardinals. But I think this week against Houston, who just got obliterated by Jonathan Taylor, I'm not saying James Conner is Jonathan Taylor, but I'm saying that he could get fed. So I think he is a, he is a, he's, a, he's a very comfortable Flex star. I think his floor isn't too too low. His ceiling isn't high either. But as a flex in, you know, in in a tight spot that you might be in, I think he's a solid start. And then the last guy I have. This might be a reach, but I have Devonta Freeman versus Bengals. He had a quality week last week against the Chargers. He had a somewhere like nine carries for fifty something yards, and he also had a touchdown. I could see this being a back and forth game with the Bengals. I think the Bengals have a good enough offense to keep up at least for a little bit so if that's the case you know I don't really see Latavius Murray being too too involved in this one he hasn't been so efficient he's been getting a lot of touchdowns a lot of red zone touches but he's not the most efficient Lev Bell I mean obviously I mean I'm not a big fan of him personally he hasn't been good in a long time but he's not getting a ton of carries Devonta Freeman actually looks good. He looks spry. He looks very solid. So, and you know, of all those guys, I think he's probably the best pass catcher out of those running backs as well, especially over Latavius Murray. I know that from personal experience, uh, you know, with him being on the Saints. I'm not saying he's a bad pass catcher. He's just, you know, he's, he's a guy you, should, you can run right down the middle. Simple enough. But I think in a tight spot, Devonta Freeman could, you know, soothe your needs. It's not... You know, none of these are exactly flashy matchups, and they're not supposed to be. These are just options if you're in a tight position. Uh, so, yeah, Devonta Freeman's the last running back I have. So, re- recap that a bit. So, wide receiver, I have Henry Ruggs versus the Eagles, Jalen Waddle versus Falcons, Michael Pittman at the 49ers. And then I for running backs, I have Darrell Williams at the Titans, James Conner versus Houston, and Devonta Freeman versus the Bengals. Those are just some options if you're – if you're struggling to find somebody to start in place of other players during these tricky bye weeks, it's very hard to plan during the draft around your bye weeks. So, you know, sometimes you're just kind of screwed. So hopefully this helps a bit. And then lastly, my locked in and upset pick of the week. <sighs> Tragedy has struck. Unfortunately, my upset pick didn't hit last week and it wasn't even close. Actually, the Browns didn't even put up a fight. So, you know, obviously no Nick Chubb. Kareem Hunt gets carted off. A slew of injuries in Cleveland for the Browns, so they could not give me my upset win. The Chiefs did beat the Washington football team, and it was a little scary at first. It didn't really look like the Chiefs had much going for them. Patrick Mahomes was looking like, eh. but I still get that one right. I'm nine and one on the season now. 
with the bye weeks, it's just going to get more and more difficult to try and figure out these upset picks. But I'm I'm not a fan of this one this week either. I said I wasn't a fan of the one last week either, and look how that turned out. But this is like one of the few upset picks that I actually think is possible. And I like it the most just because it's a division matchup, but I'm not quite there yet. But my locked-in pick for this week is the Patriots versus the Jets. I think anyone can beat the Jets. It is a, you know, some things can, weird things can happen sometimes with, you know, divisional opponents. But I think the Patriots win this one comfortably. The Jets are trash. So the Jets are just simply not a good football team. And then we have my upset pick. I'm going to take the Bengals at the Ravens. I'm going to take the Bengals to win. I don't know how I feel about this. There's other matchups I could have taken, like the Colts over the 49ers, but I feel like that's a lot closer. I think this is more of an upset pick because the Ravens are cooking right now. But so are the Bengals. The Bengals have been playing very, very well too. Um, I, I, I'm just I'm feeling the Bengals in this one. I think it's very possible. I think you know if they can get the run game going, Jamar Chase doing his usual thing. He's looked fantastic this year. I think they gotta get Tyler Boyd a little more involved. He he's been struggling. I said not to start him last week, and guess what? He didn't do much. Uh, T. Higgins off to a slow start as well. I think just like outside of James, uh, Jamar Chase, it's just not much happening. The gears aren't aren't turning. So hopefully they find their stride, hit their stride this week, get some chemistry going. Joe Mixon on the ground, get get a lot going. Hopefully they can take the win and I can move to 11 and one on the season with my picks. But it is likely that I come back next week at two, 10 and two, which I will totally be satisfied with. But that is it for this week. I hope you guys have enjoyed. It's always enjoyable when I do this show. I love talking about football, and I hope you guys love listening to me talk about football. I know sometimes, so. maybe not the greatest thing in the world, but I try my best. I try very, very hard and. I'm just, I'm just here to talk football and make it enjoyable for other people. So, hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Obviously, you'll catch me next week. I'll be here throughout the entire season. Hopefully, I can bring some guest people on soon to bring back the NFL World segments. I am looking for people who I have not talked to from different fan perspectives. You know, I could use a Steelers fan. I still haven't talked to any. I go to a Philly college, and I have not talked to a Philadelphia Eagles fan yet. Looking for the right one. Obviously, I have friends who are Eagles fans, but I want to talk to somebody who's just really into it, really knows what they're talking about. So I will get to that. But if anyone listens to this and and knows about the NFL World segments and would like to, you know, potentially come on and talk about their team if they have not been talked about yet, please contact me. You can contact me through my Twitter page at Down to Football with a two, not T O O or T O. It is just a two as in the number numerical values and whatnot but again hope you guys enjoyed Uh, i hope to bring you good content for the rest of the season and that is it i just have one last question are you down to football